Welcome to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Kính chào quý vị, thưa cô chú, chào tất cả các bạn. Bữa nay Lê Anh nói về đề tài di cư nên tôi muốn nói tiếng Việt một vài một vài tiếng một vài giây. Mình ở xa quê không nói được tiếng mẹ mỗi ngày. À, ngay cả nói tiếng Anh hay là tiếng Pháp hay là tiếng gì đó giỏi nhưng mà lúc nào cũng trong miệng cũng có cái ngọng, cái lưỡi cũng ngọng, cái bỡ ngỡ trong tai vì là ở xa quê, quê mẹ ha. Thành ra à, bữa nay tôi nghĩ là nói vài tiếng Việt để cho người Tây, người Mỹ họ nếm mùi, họ có một cái khái niệm trong cái bỡ ngỡ trong ngôn ngữ đó. Um, este es un país de inmigrantes, un lugar de racismo y pobreza, pero también de refugio y increíbles oportunidades. Eh? Venimos de todas partes para hacer este país. Yo soy parte de esto. Ustedes... Son parte de esto también. Pero yo sé que muchas historias humanas se están quedando en silencio. Je vous parle maintenant en français parce que cette langue fait part de mon histoire. Du Vietnam vers la France et à New York, la distance est très longue. Mais l'histoire de la guerre, de la guerre d'Indochine et puis la guerre avec les Américains a raccourci mon enfance et m'a ramené à plusieurs détours. there. I am an immigrant of color. I live in a very homogeneous, white, affluent neighborhood in Brooklyn right now called Park Slope. But in my work, quite a few hours of my days are spent with immigrants and people who have been transplanted. My office, my heart, my mind, my soul are filled with the sounds of different languages, gestures and movements of faraway countries, stories of different lives, different cultures, sometimes even smells of different foods. When a cab driver from Senegal or a food delivery man from Venezuela comes in to see me after a rushed lunch break and takes with him his box of rice and beans or his container of bacalao stew, We meet, they and I, strangers and yet members of a very special tribe. 
We meet and we speak in a language that is not our native tongue. Vietnamese is my maternal language. For many of the people that I meet during their immigration proceedings, they were born into Spanish, Russian, Farsi, Urdu, Creole. I usually communicate with them in English, which we typically learned by watching American movies or in university back at home or in French, sometimes the link of our shared history of having been colonized. In the opening of this segment today, I took the chance of, of, of opening these different languages to try to induce in you the experience of being alive to your senses, but not being able to fully make use of them, of hearing words and sounds. But instead of having these, these sounds transport you closer to another human being, to a place of connection and comprehension, they throw you into a, a space of alienation and disorientation. So I hope for a few seconds that you would experience incomprehension and frustration, that you had asked yourselves, what is she saying? What, what is going on here? Did I get it wrong, the time of this thing? What do I do now? I hoped for a few seconds that you had a sense, a sliver of a sense of the experience of being an immigrant. But I also gave you at the end of my wordings the sounds of the universal language, the sounds of music, man-made sounds comprehensible immediately to all of us, regardless of language, culture, religion, or race. The thing, the sounds that touch us immediately, viscerally in the body, in the soul, and there you have my ambition for this show, for my life, <laughs> the, the trauma and beauty of being human, the trauma of being displaced from home, of losing our grip on what we hold dear, of incomprehension and fear, which we have all known in one way or another from the moment of birth. And right alongside with that, the beauty of art, the joy and gratitude of recognizing one another through these sounds, the brotherhood of being human. This trauma of displacement, this beauty of communion across borders and languages is something that I feel so strongly that we need so badly to grab hold of, to cherish, to protect with and for one another. Something, this, this beauty and this, this trauma is something that that, that ill-educated, ill-mannered, monolingual, faithless man in the White House currently has probably never known and seems hell-bent on smashing it up for all of us. The music that you heard at the end of my talking uh, in the opening came by the courtesy of my guest today, Arthur, Arthur Sadowski. Arthur is a jazz composer, a bass player, and musical director of the band Arthur Sadowski and the Troubadours. Uh, he and the band are based in New York City uh, and are much sought after in, in the music scene here, as well as in Canada. Uh, they regularly fill up clubs. But Arthur is also an immigrant. He immigrated to the U.S. in the 1990s from the former Soviet Union. So in one way, his story can count as a typically American story, you know, born in a faraway land, escaping oppression for the freedom and opportunity of the U.S. and making it, contributing tremendously to this culture, to this society. 
He's now part of the fabric of this country, adding to it, even maybe shaping it in some ways through his sounds. I want to look a bit closer at his history today to learn more about what it took to make it, to learn more about why someone would leave his life, his home, everything he has known, to go to a whole new land where he doesn't know anybody, where he doesn't have any resources and has to start from scratch with the process of building a name, a home, a life. Uh, before I actually speak to Arthur in in English, <laughs> let me introduce you again uh, to him via his music. I wonder if we need to say any more. <laughs> hello, Arthur. Welcome to the hello. show. <laughs> Hi. Um, you know, uh, last night we, we were supposed to get in touch with each other, but I you couldn't catch me because I was at Carnegie Hall um, listening to Mahler's Symphony Number no. 5. And at some point, oh you my. know, uh, yeah, and I, I thought, I, I get it. I, I get what, what being religious means, you know. I mean, all these sounds, and, and, and I understood that, that God is with oh. us and in us, you know, and, and, um, and that's what music um, did to me. And it made me think, like, I should ask Arthur, you know, what, what does music mean to him? What, what do you try to do with music? What is it to you? Oh, it's a complex question. Thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm <laughs> by the way, minutes. very, very thrilled to be here. <laughs> you know, it's Tell a lifetime me. study. It's a lifetime study. There is no simple answer. You know, it's um, just any anything profound. Uh, you know, music is, um, I guess it's a call, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's a gift. Some people say it's a, it's a curse. You know, it's, it's hard to say what it is. But uh, it's definitely, um, I don't know, it's just something that you constantly trying to, you need it. In other words, you need it in order to survive hmm. on an everyday okay. level. You know, like on, on a, like almost like a molecular level, if it makes any sense. Have you always felt this way? At which point uh, you know, did this come to you? I, you know, it's hard to say again because I'm coming from a family, uh, from a very music family. So music was around me even before I was born. So, um, and I never was under pressure, especially in the beginning of my life, uh, to to pursue music career. I was just part of, like, it was kind of like an ocean. And I was, like, right in the middle of that mm. musical ocean. So, mm-hmm. and then progressively, you know, the older I get, um, it was 
more like, what do I do with it? Like, is it, is it truly my, my call? Is it something I have to do for the rest of my life? Can I survive without it? Can I be a normal again? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. can I be yeah. like everybody else? And then, as I said, it's a lifetime study. You get up every single morning and you look inside of yourself and you ask yourself the same question. Is it my truly call? You know, why do uh-huh. I do this? What is, it, what is it for me? What does it do to me that, you know, I constantly need it in order to be, to function? You know, yeah. And lucky you, right, that you can get up and get out of of, of your house and do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a a privilege. It's a privilege. Yeah. You mentioned your family. So let's go back a little bit. The last time that I saw you, uh, it was years ago. I I don't remember what year exactly, but it was in a federal courthouse in downtown New York Mm -hmm. City. Um, (laughs) It was a surreal day, was it not? I think where you had a a hearing in immigration court, you know, where a judge, Mm -hmm. a federal judge on behalf of the U.S. government was to decide whether you deserved protection and could remain legally in this country or be Mm -hmm. sent back to Russia, uh, Mm -hmm. where as as, as a Jew, um, you were a minority and and had faced much discrimination and, and what you described to me, you summarized to me back then as, you know, just subhuman treatment. And I remember that you looked kind of in shock on that day. That's that's outwardly anyway. You <laughs> you look like it. Do you remember what, what it was yeah. like for you? What was it balance for you I on that day? I tried to block that. <laughs> uh-huh. I, tried, I tried to block anything related to that. Yeah, but it, it was amazing. You know, it was surreal. You're absolutely correct. I was under tremendous stress. And tell, tell the listeners and, uh, a little bit about what was at stake for you, how you ended up there. What was it for? Well, you're talking about specifically day at the court, the last day at the court. Well, it basically, you know, it was, um, you know, I was 25 when I left my old country. And I left it for all kinds of reasons, uh, primarily because I just could not take it anymore, you know. Uh, it was... Um, you know, when you're 25, you, 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 your time is different. I mean, like, everything is different. You know, your life is different in terms of, like, how you sense things around you. And I just, uh, I had to go somewhere. I mean, I, my, my point was, you know, I, I could not tolerate political things, cultural things, social things, and, uh, you know, um, economical things, but more primarily, you know, um, all kind of nonstop state abuse and uh, social abuse that was around me, that was affecting me, my personal life and my professional life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now you know this is yeah. something. This is something that people may not uh, think immediately of, especially in New York City, that mm-hmm. what it was, what it's like, you know, to be a, a Jew in Russia. Basically, to, it's like being black, was it not? Well, again, I cannot. I, I mean, I well, yes, it's 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 just you know the whole the whole thing about it you know it just um, look uh, racial discrimination comes in all kind of, and cultural discrimination let's put it this way cultural discrimination mm-hmm. comes in all kinds of shapes and forms mm-hmm. so uh, this is something I would never I, it, it's hard to explain to people who never experience anything like this 
You know, it's it's you know. It's, well, let's about to start to start with you were you were called names constantly. Yeah, 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 nonstop. And what makes uh, what 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 made my personal case even worse is that my my father is Jewish. My mom, my mother is Armenian. So it's, it's I'm I'm like in a double <laughs> mm-hmm. double mm-hmm. treatment or whatever you call it. So you know, I was bombarded by all kind of uh, names and uh, not just necessarily names. And you know, I was attacked. I was uh, verbally attacked. I was physically attacked. I was provoked in the meantime. It was very difficult. Some people kind of block all this negativity and try to live normal life. I could not live normal life. I was you know what? It's not human. It's not. I don't deserve it, and other people don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be treated like that. So, so before uh, the age of 25, what did you do? Did you fight back? Did you go into hiding? I, well, you know what? I tried to do everything, to be honest with you. I tried to kind of block everything. It didn't work. I tried to fight it, especially before leaving country. I was trying to actively protest, but um, it was, um, it became very violent, very, very quickly and out of control and I started kind of losing myself emotionally I was mm-hmm. really really not myself because I constantly was expecting bad things to happen to me we're talking about basic things like riding subway or taking bus or walking on the streets and being attacked verbally or even physically provoked physically I, I, I was mm-hmm. getting in fist fights on, on, on many occasions I was stopped mm-hmm. by um, uh, Police, you know, um, on a few mm-hmm. occasions, and, and searched without any warrant or any any uh, without any reason, based on, on on my my look. Right, right. I don't know if people so, realize uh, on on the show's page is the picture of you. You you you're dark. I yeah, mean, I'm dark. yeah, I'm I'm dark. Yeah, right. I'm dark. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, you know. You know we are we are we are a few seconds away from the break, so let's do it here before so that I don't interrupt you mid sentence, and we'll come back and talk more about sure. that. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world, across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. 
Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. I was asking Arthur during the break um, that I noticed it was visibly, it is audibly difficult for him to talk about, to revisit the experience of living there. And Arthur explained to me, uh, Arthur, you said that there's still people living back there and you are very outspoken and and visible. So you don't want to create trouble uh, for those who are still left behind. Um, So I appreciate that. I also appreciate that, you know, it's it's difficult, right, to, to kind of, pull out and summarize 20 odd years of, of a daily chronic persecution in just one or two minutes. It's, it's kind yep. of like an impossible task. Um, yep. So let me try this. You know, does that life, is it still with you in any way here well, in New yes, York? Yes, it is. It is. You, you mean like, uh, well, I don't, I don't have to thank God. I don't have to experience it anymore, but it didn't go anywhere in terms of like it's still inside of me, inside of my head. You know, really? Uh huh. Unfortunately, that's how we operate. You know, I'm, I'm a musician, so I'm very emotional, which is one of the main definitions. Do you think you can say in words where, how does it show up in your life, that, that history? In, insecurity. I think it's insecurity when you think you're not you you you're inferior to somebody else, and you start overanalyzing why because you you used to you used to that mm. you know insecurity. At least I used to back and back when I was living in Soviet Union. Not just because you uh, professionally not professionally more superior, but just because who you are, you know, where you're coming from, mm-hmm. who, who you mm-hmm. are in terms of your nationality, your culture, your family, your, you know, religious aspects, historical aspects, and all kinds of other aspects. Are so, you saying yeah. that when there's something happening between you and another person, you immediately go to that place of, I'm lesser, there's something wrong with you, with me, they're attacking me? Absolutely, absolutely, yes, absolutely. I try not to, I try not to, because I think, like, you know, um, well, how come, well, it, listen, we all dealing with rejections. In music business, and show business, we're all dealing with rejections as a part of a daily experience, if you, if you wish. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I think... Um, I think I would deal with it much better if I wouldn't have my baggage with me. You know, I would deal with it as just like, okay, listen, I was rejected, not a big deal. Let's move on. Let's focus on the next project or mm-hmm. the next task or whatever. And then, uh, you know, because you don't, you don't have nothing to compare it to. You don't have nothing to. Um, in other words, it, it does not affect you. I think certain, right. the circum, cert, 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 certain, certain, um, certain. 
emotional patterns are prefabricated or could be prefabricated by our previous experiences. So you're saying that in a way you are not totally free. You're you're very, your castle is still in that loop of being re-triggered, of being transported back to being that that Jewish kid walking on the street and having somebody spit on you. Yeah, absolutely. Which, by the way, Mm. happened many times. So, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know what it Mm -hmm. is. I know how it feels and I know how absolutely um, unprotected emotionally and physically you know, that kid was, and, and absolutely, it didn't go anywhere. Right, right. So, speaking of, of rejection in the music industry, let me just jump around in time all over the place here. When you first came in New York, uh, what did you come with? <laughs> you know, that's always what fascinates me, what people decide to take with them physically, literally, on that day, you know, when they get that one-way ticket. Right and decide. All right, I gotta go. What did you take with you, and where did you end up in New York? Very typical Jewish of me. I came with my music <laughs> instrument. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, no, which no, one? Nothing else. Uh, my bass guitar. Okay. Yeah, my bass guitar. Nothing else. I had very little cash on me because you know I didn't make any big um, money. Um. Nothing else. I, I just had my guitar and uh, some personal items. Uh-huh. And, and then you ended up in, in, uh, in JFK? Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. <laughs> where did you go from there? Uh, well, the funny part was that I had my notebook with a few names and phone numbers I could call to um, upon my arrival in New York City, but I left it. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. so, so stressed, so I forgot. I left it on the desk. Which um, reminds me, this was before cell phones, right? Right, <laughs> so right, you right, couldn't right, pull. right, right, right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That was a different era. Right, so, right. Um, and, uh, up in my, and then, then, then after, after I, I, I cleared the customs, I realized I have no clue because I didn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had no clue what to do next. Literally, I had zero clue. I, I um, didn't know how, how, what number... I, or what person or anybody to call to, because as I said, I left my notebook. Mm. So I had to improvise. What was your plan when you left Russia? You know what? My plan was to survive, to escape. I was stressed to the point where I, I wasn't myself, basically. I wasn't thinking clearly. I guess if I would be under less stress, I would just probably have some kind of solid plan. You know, I would do something in terms of kind of secure my arrival and my um, initial initial being in the United States. You know, you should have, have gone an Airbnb. I did not. Have, absolutely, yes. Have a plan. It helps. But again, you know, I was under stress and I, was, I wasn't right. myself and I wasn't right. thinking clearly. Right. By the way, you know, just so you know, I mean, you know, maybe already, I, I, I talk to hundreds, close to thousands of, 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 of people like you, you know, people who just escape, and it's without exception, this is the story. People leave in the dead of the night after an attack when they can't take it anymore for whatever reason, you know, and they just leave with, with, with no plans at all. 
because that's yeah. how it is. You're not going on vacation. You're escaping. No. You know, you're fighting for your life, right? It's untenable. It's, yeah. it's, 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 you can't take it anymore. And you just have to oh, go yeah, over there, that spot on the map there. where you know you won't be killed. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me interrupt you for a quick second. I just want to stress this for people out there. Uh, immigration, it's, it's a tragedy. Okay? It's a tragedy. It changes your life. You're saying goodbye to years and years and years of experience. You're saying goodbye to people you used to know who used to be fabric of your everyday life. In my case, I, I was leaving Soviet Union behind. And back in the those days, and I believe it's even worse right now, uh, the communication was very sketchy because we did not have internet, we did not have cell phones and Skype. Plus, it was extremely expensive. And on top of it, both countries were competing on the political scene. So, you know, there was no way to stay in touch with the people you love. Mm-hmm. So, so when uh, you leave, you leave. That's it. That's exa- like a exactly, death. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Right. I guess it would be less stressful for somebody from more sophisticated country, uh, more democratic country. I don't want to say like England or France or Japan, but we're talking about countries where democracy is not part of a normal life, everyday life, mm-hmm. such as Soviet mm-hmm. Union or, or modern day Russia. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. Yeah. Right. So that sort of state of mind, you know, in that moment, it was sort of kind of like either I stay and die or I die and go over there for the chance of another life. <laughs> well, again, you, know, again, that, that, you, see, you, you you trying to rationalize it. I did not rationalize anything. I was just trying to escape because I was in the, at the point of, of psychological complete break. Not just partial break, but complete break. I was in a really, really bad state. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and there was another, another thing, you know, I, I'm a young guy. I'm in my prime. I'm 25 years old. I'm full of ideas and desires. And, you know, every single, you know, uh, molecule, every single, uh, you know, uh, part of my body, you know, is bursting with energy. I want to create. I want to give so much away. I want to show people some other things we, me did not see or did not have chance to see yet. So, you know, that was, we're talking about me being constantly um, discriminated. It's a one thing. And then there is an emotional part, but there is a creative part of me that is trying to self, um, what do you call it? Um, you know, self-complete, I guess. Self- Were you able to play music in Russia? I was, you know, yes and no. It's a mixed bag. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it, I, I had certain success. I cannot say I was completely unknown. But at the same time, I, I just, I realized I'm, I, I'm not needed there. They don't need me. There is no room for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then when you came here again, no money, you didn't speak any English, there was no notebook. When were you able to play music? When was the first time that you were able to be um, well, it was a struggle in the beginning because, again, you know, I had no proper paperwork. Right. Um, I right. did not know how to communicate. Communication is very, is very important. You have to be able to communicate. You need to be able to communicate. <laughs> right. You know, because um, business is business, you know. It takes what it takes to mm-hmm. um, be successful. Um, and then um, 
I was lucky because I had friends. Um, uh, my very first professional gig, paid gig, was with a very well-known, another Jewish um, composer, uh, guitar player, and band leader. His name is Jim Pritzker, who is uh, this phenomenal, world-known right, right, composer right now. But back in the days, we were just both kind of trying to uh, establish ourselves. And Jim had this beautiful band full of... Um, young musicians from all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he called me and he said, hey, Arthur, why don't you play with me? It was my very first professional gig in the United States. Um, it was in right New York in City? Greenwich Village. Yeah, yeah, Greenwich Village. At the now famous uh, Cornelia Street Cafe. <laughs> ah, ah, really? Okay, yeah, great roast yeah, chicken yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But if you go downstairs, we have like this beautiful club. Very famous. Oh and, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I should, I should try yeah. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. And how did you find the guys in your band, right now? Uh, it's uh, you know you you just go out and you meet people and you play together and you socialize and you know sometimes you click and you want to work with that person then sometimes you work and you're like ah, I don't know maybe that person is not for me and uh, you know you just go through certain people until you kind of click and you know like well I can see working with this person because that person brings so much into my music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Isn't it particular, you know, musicians or, or, or artists, or maybe just specifically musicians, is it a very special kind of tribe? Do you all support one another to make it? Um, and yes and no. Again, music, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's just like it's just another business. Uh-huh. But instead of us buying and selling stock, we buy and selling music. We create music. You know, so uh, sometimes it's. You support because you you feel like it's the right thing to do. You like that person. You like that creativity. You like that direction. And sometimes you support because many people support because it's the right thing to do. Because if you stay together, you think your chances succeeding are multiplying. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, you know, I'm sorry to be in, <laughs> probably, you know, shouldn't say it, but it's just like in any business. It's just uh, you're making certain decisions based on because you like it, you think it's the right thing to do, and then sometimes it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, the, the bottom line of economic survival, uh-huh. right? Is that what you mean also by business? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Well, because uh, unfortunately, um, due to all kind of technological processes, uh, you know, the, the fact that um, the music market is, sh- is, sh- is shrinking tremendously every single day. Um, I'll give you a small example. Back in the days of Irvin Berlin, for instance, right, or other like Benny Goodman or whatever, we're talking mm-hmm. about early immigrants who came, um, mostly Jewish immigrants who came from uh, Eastern Europe to play music, to kind of right. bring this musical culture and be part of a American culture as well. Um, you know, we, did, we used to compete against each other, you know. Right now, we don't. This is like a very unfortunate state, by the way. I don't compete against another artist, Sadowski. I compete against Saturday Night um, Super Bowl. Uh, we compete against uh, cable networks. We, co- we compete against mm. 56 inch high definition TV that every single family has right now. And this is what we compete against. So you have to think in terms of business. I see. 
how oh, in terms of how, how to commodify yourself, how, how the, that right, whole exactly. branding. Mar- mm-hmm. Yeah, you have and then, so what is the cost, Arthur, if you can, what is the, the price, the cost of that process then of, 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 of surviving? What does well, it do to your art? Well, it affects everything, you know, because art, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound idealistic, but, I, but ideally you shouldn't be affected by all this um, market going up or down, collapse rejection, you know, uh, record labels uh, ignoring you for years. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't be. You should be creating. You should be in your own bubble, like a, you know, like a Picasso, and you just, just create, 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 and then people come to you, and then they either, you know, like you or they go somewhere else. But unfortunately, we don't have that luxury anymore. Right. Nine out of ten musicians I know work in some way else. we teaching we, you know, working as a, we have nine to five regular jobs, we do something else because music business is not enough to support you anymore. That's right, yeah. Speaking yeah. of performing, it is fortunate, though, that you, I think that you and, and the Troubadours regularly perform live, and you have one coming up um, in about 10 days, don't you? Right, yes, we are. Um, very happy um, to... Um, to invite you and everybody else to our next big show. Uh, it's, a, it's going to be Sunday, um, mm-hmm. June 17th. The 17th or so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, at the Rockwood Music Hall Stage 3. Rockwood Music Hall is a amazing place, so everybody should go to Rockwood. <laughs> Specifically <laughs> Sunday 17th at 7 right. o'clock p.m. Good, good. And it's, the information yeah. will also be on, on the show's page. Let's take a break for now, and then we'll come back for our final segment. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world, across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Yes, welcome back, everyone. So we were talking about performing and making it in the business, in the, the music business and so on. And I was thinking, Arthur, you and the troubadours, what, what is the relationship there? And what, what is their place in your life now? Oh, um, Are they your family? Uh, it is my family, yes. It is my family. Thank you, yes. Um, Speaking of which, your, your original family, when was the last time you saw them? I got a very long time ago. I, uh, I, saw, uh, I saw my mother 25 years ago. I didn't have a chance to, um, to go back because I wasn't allowed to go back. And then um, right. um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, and uh, I never had a chance to say goodbye to my father who passed away almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. So your new family is is the troubadours. Yeah, yeah, it is my family. Yeah, it's absolutely um, correct. And um, I needed I needed troubadours. I look. Um, I had to I had to invent something because I'm a one. I, I mean, like in in music business, there are two types of basically. If I'm going to um, simplify, this, there are two types two type of uh, two types of musicians. Um, Number one, it's a silent person. It's somebody who knows instruments inside out and very comfortable doing somebody else, playing somebody else's music. There is nothing wrong with it. You know, if you go to any orchestra like you went to a Carnegie Hall yesterday, you saw those uh, uh, side uh, sidemen musicians who read music inside out and very well controlled by by by, by directors and uh, very instrumental in getting whatever music directors want them to do. And there is a two, second type, which is me. When I look at the music, I always think how I can do it, what I can do with it, how can it twist it so it becomes my own. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I had to, I was, I was predetermined, yeah, I was kind of pre, pre, um, prefabricated, if you wish, <laughs> to have my own band, uh, because um, I always want to do something else with music. I, I play somebody's song, and I'm like, hold a second, I can change this part, I can change that part. And the Troubadours is my vehicle to do that. All right. Uh, in a format of troubadour, I can do anything I want. I can write my own song, I can write my own arrangements of somebody's own song, or I can play somebody's own song and change little parts and make it my own. That's what troubadour my God. is for. Then now yeah. you finally have the freedom. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. For a few of those moments I am on the stage performing for people, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely free. Uh-huh. Finally, I don't, I don't have any barriers, you know, I don't have anything that would hold me spiritually or physically in place and, and would limit me in any way. That's why I value every single minute on the stage. It's like I, I, I cannot explain. It's a, it's, a, it's a spiritual experience to me. Being on the stage, it's, I'm so lucky to be on the stage. 
You know, every time you see me playing, I'm, I'm probably going to have my eyes closed because I don't need to see anybody. I don't need to see my instrument. I don't need to see anything around me because it's just it's a very spiritual, big, big momentum in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like a religious, almost like a religious moment. Yeah. Right. And you said earlier that the history, you know, the the, uh, the history of, of being discriminated against and, and mistreated and so on, it never leaves you. Uh, in a, no. the, the trauma of immigration never leaves you. So does that, what happens to that history when you perform, when you go into music? Well, it's just... I guess uh, you know all my all my work is affected by my previous experience. All my arrangements, my my personal writing, my songs, everything I um, had to endure, uh, you know, uh, kind of translates itself into my music, into my 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 music work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's interesting thing people asking me about the troubadours. The troubadours used to be good for those who who. I'm not familiar. Uh, Troubadours used to be a group of uh, medieval traveling musicians who used yeah. to think primarily about love. So we used to be like this romantic uh, group of musicians who would travel from small town to small town, from village to village, and think primarily about love. So, mm-hmm. and this is something I think I, I I'm missing from my from my you know from my own life my own previous experience and, and many of us because I don't see love <laughs> as much as I would like to see and I'm talking about not not you know sexual love I'm talking about spiritual love I'm talking about I understand human right gen, gen, yeah so mm-hmm. I don't see it really around us and this is what I'm trying to, to give away every time when people come to see us performing I'm like listen let's pretend for 60 minutes that we don't have any struggles, we don't have any medical issues, we don't have any political issues, any personal work-related issues, you know, it's, let's, let's make it all about love, you know, let's just submerge ourselves in, in emotional love and try to feel, you know, love as, 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 a, uh, as, a, as a, as a oxygen, as a something that we absolutely, absolutely require in order to survive. I do believe love is absolutely required in order to survive. Or yeah. love is the the ultimate absolute democracy. It is, yes, it, it is, yes, because because it's a self, it's a selfless. You know, it, when you love, you love, you give away. Love is all about giving away and acceptance. What you do know. you see when you perform? When you look out at the end of the evening, uh, happy faces. Hopefully, I see people who are clapping and happy and smiling. You know, like when you look at the person, it's, it's hard to like, you see person person smiling. And it's the best compliment. It's the best compliment I, as a musician, as a band leader, as a composer can, can, can ever get. When I see person, <laughs> and the person looking at me, and he or she is uncontrollably smiling. You know, like I, right. I, 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 I know I did something right. Right, yeah. right. And it's so it's so powerful because you know that you have restored that person to her innocent, true, fulfilled state. That's how we're all meant to be. Yeah, that's how children are before crap happens. Yeah, (laughs) right. They just pick up some dirt, they look at the sun, and they smile. (laughs) That's a good point. Yes, exactly. Yes. 
<laughs> and that's that's what your music does. That's that's just really yes, amazing. Hope, hopefully, hopefully, we I constantly stress it. You know, every single show I stress it. I'm like, we're troubadours, we're love singers. You know, mm-hmm. I want you to go home or whatever places you're going to travel to, and I want you to be slightly be more happy for for a little bit because then it's going to like kind of fade out, and you you will be surrounded and bombarded by your lifetime uh, daily daily problems. But for now, for all this little few minutes after the show, I want you to be together with me in that ocean of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were describing the, the, the definition of the effect of love, I, I was just thinking, you know, I just got um, the stats back for the show. I, we've only been doing this for five weeks. It's, it's a pilot thing. And I had no idea what was going on out there. But the stats came back. And it's astounding that people are listening uh, from really all over the world. It's the, the amazing thing about the Internet. You know, I have people from Japan and China and Australia Great. and Sweden Great. and Morocco and Brazil and uh, some in the U.K., mm-hmm. a lot in Canada. But Canada doesn't count as the world. <laughs> That's great. By the way, I was going to compliment you. Yeah, and then last so, week, about, uh, you know, some um, 50 or 60 people in Ireland, I don't know how that happens, but Ireland, a shout out to the women of Ireland. I want to say this, bravo for your vote on the abortion bravo. ban. I am so happy that finally you're doing it for your mothers, your daughters, and your sisters, and that you're taking island forward as we here in the U.S. you know are trying with all our might to go backward on this abortion um, uh, business but um, also what am I trying to say here the notion of of democracy and up erasing divisions and borders that's what you are mm-hmm. trying to do when you yeah. when you talk about about your, your music and the troubadours and and this yeah. is why I, I wanted to talk to you somehow I knew that we are, we are on the same page, <laughs> you know, or maybe not just you and I, but we all are on the same page. If we can just strip away, you know, the noise and the clutter and the bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. I, we, we are almost at the end. I have a few minutes left and I want to uh, have one last chance to play your music. How can people yeah. find you and your music, Arthur, before we go? The best, the best way is to Google me. I have a place, I have endless, you know, supplies of music and video and information on, on, on um, Facebook, YouTube, okay. uh, com, um, Twitter. Just connect with me. Connect. Doesn't okay. really matter what it is. Write me. Send me a postcard. Whatever it is. Just just connect okay. with me and, and come to our next show. And uh, listen, because I know some of your listeners probably experience certain financial problems. They would love to be part of it, but they don't have money. Don't be shy about it. Come to me. We always have free tickets. We will, we will make this work. I want you to be there. I want you to, to be present at the show. I want you to experience it. Don't, okay. don't you worry about it. Don't, don't worry about any, any, <laughs> any, any, like, oh, I cannot afford to buy a ticket. It's too expensive. Let me take care of it. Just be there. Stay with us. Be part of the family. Thank you so much, Arthur. And I would like to add to that. I have this in front of me, a, a passage from a book called The English Patient by Michael uh-huh. Andaje, you know, a Canadian writer of Indian descent who wrote about these uh, people in World War II explored. And, and this is passage I think would complement your message. It says this, I believe this. When we meet those we fall in love with, there is an aspect of our spirit that is historian 
who imagines or remembers a meeting when the other had passed by. We die, containing a richness of lovers and tribes, tastes we have swallowed, bodies we have plunged into and swum up, as if rivers of wisdom, characters we have climbed into as if trees, fears we have hidden in as if caves. I wish for all this to be marked on my body when I'm dead. I believe in such cartography, to be marked by nature, not just to label ourselves on a map like the names of rich men and women on buildings. We are communal histories, communal books. We are not owned or monogamous in our taste or experience. All I desire is to walk upon such an earth that has no maps. Goodbye, everyone, and here's more of Arthur's music. everyone. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today and the music and the love. Next week, please find me again. I will speak uh, about divorce, matrimonial law, meaning I would speak about family, the definition of family, what it means to have a family, to break up a family, what makes us human, this human tribe. I will be joined in conversation by Bonnie Rabin, a senior founding partner of one of the premier matrimonial law firms in New York City. She's involved in most of all the cutting-edge cases that are currently going on, and uh, it would be a great, great conversation. So please join me. Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.